official video game podcast of Culture Pop. We have quite a show for you today. Uh, you know, uh, I honest to God thought that I was going to fuck that up because I haven't done that in so long. But um, <laughs> You did great. <laughs> yeah, I got through it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we've had some uh, things happening with uh, with everybody going on. And uh, so uh, it's been a while since we've kind of done this. But uh, we, we do have a great show for you today. Um, we will be talking, it is our Patreon, pa- patron, Patreon uh, voted topic of the month. So we're going to be talking about some uh, goodness there. Um, also, I've been reading a little bit of manga, thanks to Austin and uh, my YouTube idol, Super Eye Patch Wolf. And then uh, I've got a couple of games to talk about. But uh, yeah, I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop Man, Josh McBullen. And I am joined, as almost always, by one of my two co-hosts, Dylan, my mom cuts my hair, Martin. What the fuck does that mean? It's the truth. I didn't even I didn't know what to say, but she still cuts my hair. Really? Is yep. she a stylist? Yeah, she used to be way back in the day. She stopped in her god man, like I guess later 20s and she went mm-hmm. to do other stuff, but yeah, she she did used to be a hairstylist and it helps that I have uh, you know, every single year. Like I'm losing more and more hair, so really she just shaves it. Yep. At same. this point. Yeah. That's, so. that's what Kayla does for me. Yeah. It's it's very nice. And it's, it's you know, I get it. It's not a lot of hair, but it's still more upkeep than I want to deal with. So just the health with shaving, it's very great. I got a huge beard I have to take care of. I don't want to do it for my head, too. Boy, you do have a big beard. Thank you. You're a big... Does your mom cut your beard? No, I will not let anyone touch my beard, dude. <laughs> 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 like, no one can touch that shit but me. I mean, fair enough. I, I, I and, and it's bad to say that it's like it's a trust thing. It's like because if someone fucks it up, I will never forgive them. <laughs> I just, oh, oh my! I, I, I have spent so long growing my beard and getting it to the shape I want. It's like if something goes wrong at this point, I'm not ready to start over. I'm not ready to see myself baby faced. It's it's been a work in progress. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel, uh, if I'm being totally honest with you. Like, I feel like, uh, I feel like if I were, I, like, I want to shave to kind of, like, help it, like, get fuller, if that makes sense. Like, I want more yeah. hair to grow in there. But, like, I can't bring myself to, to shave because, one, I'm not sure that it'll grow back and look, ex- like, good again. Uh, but, two, I do not like that I have the face of a fucking seven-year-old. Well, that, and it's like, not even that, really. It's, if I did it, I would look like I belong on a list. (laughs) And I'm not going to lie, dude. I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, I know for a fact I would look like, if you would frame me in a mugshot, someone would be like, oh, yeah, he did something. Like, if I had no beard. Yeah. Yeah, so. Damn. Well, I know. that's right. That's why only I touch the beard. <laughs> I, I guess rightfully so, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're, we're without Austin today. Uh, he got, 
held back with uh, you know some things, some stuff was going on for him. Um, so hopefully next week we will be back and uh, all three of us will have a whole bunch of shit to talk about because uh, we haven't talked to each other in what three weeks. Yeah, if we talk to each other, usually it's miscellaneous stuff, a complaint, me complaining about depression. Yeah. I think our last proper episode was at the beginning of the month, uh, July 4th, it looks like. What fun. Actually, and that would have been recorded, what, the Wednesday before July 4th? Right, so we're we're halfway finished with July now. Yep. Boy. What a, oh, almost a completely finished, right? Yeah. Oh God, man. Yeah, it's like the twenty sixth, dude. Holy crap. Yeah. Boy, time is flying when you're old. That's not even funny, man. <laughs> That's it's. Time goes way too quickly, and there's not enough of it, and there's not enough free time. Oh God, you're telling me, Jesus Christ. Boy, are you telling me? Uh, well, yeah, it's good to to be back and. And talking to you, I, uh, we did the the Lego Star Wars spoiler cast, and we talked. That's on why that, we've but... been away for a while. We had to take a breather after that one. Yeah, we had to get ourselves right. <laughs> yeah, the good news is is that the Q three po- uh, fucking podcast tournament's underway, and it's looking pretty good. Yep, uh, I haven't posted the results today because I've been very busy with work, but uh, I will have those posted soon. And I'll also throw up the last uh, the last thing for tonight. So, uh, yeah, the Q3 one is both of the games that are in the finale. I am very much uh, wanting to play. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Uh, anyway, to get back in the groove of things, I guess, uh, we should talk about what we've been doing and, uh, you don't have anything written down, which is, uh, you know, it's it's fine, I guess. It's, it was all going to be saved for the catch up episode. Um, I don't know. I've, I've been doing like a lot of this and a lot of that. The one thing Mm. I saw, I'll talk about the games, uh, next week, but I did pick up a series X and Xbox series X this past uh, I guess it was this past week. So that's really what I've been doing. I've watched some stuff here and there. Um, nothing too crazy, but Series X has been where all my time has gone, and it was a good purchase, man. I am quite happy with it. I like being able to just sit back in the room and relax and you know, just play my Game Pass machine <laughs> on, a, on a nice, crisp TV. It's It's been a lot of fun revisiting some games that I didn't get to finish some games that I wanted to dabble in. Um, I've actually been playing Dead by Daylight on that. Just, oh, wow. Yeah, right? So I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I've just been kind of dabbling and seeing what the, you know, the console can do, stuff like that. I'm going to probably all of the games left on my challenge this year, like all the genres, are probably going to come from Game Pass. Like I've already got it. Uh, I guess a laid out in a sense of what I'm going to play. So really excited for it, man. It, it was kind of a impulsive purchase to be quite honest, but I do not regret it. It, it, it's been, it's been kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, and you know, it's given me a chance to go and play some things that really I haven't had time for 
in uh, any other regard. So it's just like late at night when I get home, showered, I've eaten, just go in there and play for like an hour or so. And it's been a lot of fun, man. I enjoy it. Hell yeah. Well, cool. Um, yeah, I can't wait to for you to tell me about the games you've been playing. <clears throat> um, I, after... Uh, I, I think I... I spoke about this in the um in the group chat uh it might have been on an episode or something i don't know but uh i've been kind of like debating for a long time whether or not i should get back into reading manga uh, i used to read it when i was back in like high school um and for whatever reason i just kind of fell off probably around the same time that like i kind of fell out of anime a little bit just i think i kind of saw it as like I don't want to say childish, but it like all at around the same time, like I stopped devoting time to comics and manga and anime because like they were the kitty things and then, you know, whatever. But uh, for a while now, I've been kind of like uh, thinking about, you know, taking it up again and what all that'll entail and stuff like that. And um, uh, one of the, the leading figures in my want to do that has been like i said my favorite youtuber which is a uh, super eye patch wolf um he talks a lot about anime and uh manga and stuff like that and so i've been like slowly building out a like sort of like recommendation list that he's laid out there in my head and then for the past i don't know it feels like six months or so austin's been going on and on and on about the shonen jump app so I finally just ended up taking the plunge, and uh, I downloaded the Shonen Jump app about two-ish weeks ago, I think. Um, I just kind of curated my list, and then I really started reading about um, about a week ago, maybe a little bit over a week ago. Um, and the first series I started out with was Dr. Stone. Um, so... The sort of story for this one is that uh, humanity is, um, it's like, it, it starts out modern day or whatever, and then there's a catastrophic event that I, I'm i not real sure it is kind of like specified what causes it, but there's a gigantic uh like earth-shattering event where humanity as a whole becomes uh encased in stone more or less. So these people are just like frozen in stone and um they stay that way for 3700 years until uh what I originally took to be the main character Taiju um wakes up and uh is um, he's surprised to see, you know, it's basically the post-apocalypse, like the wilderness has kind of like grown up again. And like, there is no like, uh, civilization really. Uh, and so he thinks it's just him, but it turns out that, uh, his, uh, friend, um, Senku, uh, actually is alive as well. And Senku is this a uh, really, really gifted, very smart 
individual who um, is very uh, well versed in science and kind of like everything that uh, you know science has to offer, so to speak. And so the first twelve-ish chapters, which is kind of like a prologue to things, um, actually uh, is not really all that great. It's not terrible, but it's like it could definitely be better. Kind of focuses around uh, Senku Taiju and this girl that uh, Taiju really, really loves called, um, oh God, what is her name? Yurikihara, maybe? Um, I don't remember her name. But the, the reason that it's kind of like, meh is because those characters with the exception of kind of Senku to a like a little bit of a degree don't really have characters they're just kind of like really one note and they're really saved by like some pretty fantastic character design um but like there's nothing necessarily remarkable about them uh but pretty soon into those 12 chapters they kind of um meet this very strong very good looking um guy that uh they awaken thinking oh he's very strong like he'll be able to help us to you know they're wild animals now like he'll be able to help us, you know, survive basically. So they wake him up and then it kind of turns out that he's just basically like a very good looking Hitler. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, the thing is, is uh, so far there from what I've read, cause I'm only about, uh, I think I'm about 60 chapters in, Uh, And they haven't really delved a whole lot into his psyche and stuff, but they have kind of, like, given hints as to what his motivation is. And the thing is, is, like, his motivation kind of makes sense. He's kind of, like, talking about how, like, society was under, like, awful, awful things when they were alive. And it was because of, like, old... uh, I I don't want to say, like, old white men, because... You know, obviously it's manga, it's very centered around, like, Japanese culture and stuff like that. But um, it's, like, basically centered around the idea, like, his ideology is basically centered around the idea of, like, these people took advantage of us and, like, they really served no purpose and all they did was hold us down. Like, maybe we should not revive them and maybe we should actually just destroy them as statues and they'll be, you know dead and we can rule the world and shape it how we want to and i think that like if you look at like modern modern day uh not just japan but kind of the world like there's definitely a place for that sort of thinking i think but i think where he goes wrong is how he wants to go about it which is basically killing people and it very much becomes like once it gets into that face it very much becomes like a this guy's basically hitler (laughs) sort of thing um and uh yeah so they revive him and then uh turns out obviously that that's what his plan is and so 
there's a little bit of a, a fake out thing with a death that I was completely um, taken aback by. And then the story proper actually starts around chapter 12 with Senku coming across this village and having these other characters because uh, he, he has Taiju and I, I, I'm forgetting her name, Yurikihara or something like that. Um, they go off to kind of be his spies against uh, Sukasa, which is the, the Hitler guy. And he runs across this village and it's populated with a whole bunch of like uh, relatively fun and interesting characters. Uh, again, th- I haven't gotten a whole lot of like story into each of them individually, but they're way more interesting than Taiju and, and his, his love interest. And so Senku then starts kind of like building out his uh, kingdom of science and he ultimately is trying to get civilization back to where it was before the whole rock epidemic uh, happened. And it's just this really interesting premise that like, I didn't really think I'd ever seen in kind of shonen stuff before. Like it was very just different, very fresh and unique. And the art style in this is really really incredible and like i am really kind of like taken aback by some of the drawings and some of the panels like they're just really stunning uh the character writing so far for senku and the new characters is pretty good uh i'm hoping for more because I have a sense of who these people are through their interactions with everyone else and through like little small things that they say, but I would like to dig deeper. Um, Senku to me is the most well fleshed out of them so far, and I would would expect nothing less, seeing as he's the main character. But um, yeah, I I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to probably see this one to the end unless something uh, insane happens. Uh, but I would recommend it for the sheer fact of the way it subverts shonen tropes um, in general and the art style. I, I think that those two things in combination are good enough to, or they make it good enough to read even if it's lacking in some of the other things that it's trying so this is the one that kind of started as like a slow burn for you and then soon into it you started to really enjoy it right yeah yeah Yeah. it was uh probably around like chapter i'd say like 20 or so uh then i was like oh oh i like this and then just kind of like just tore through the next 40 chapters or so yeah, this is one of the ones. So I hadn't started it yet, but you know, much like you, Austin's been talking pretty, um, I guess like boastingly of the Shonen app. So I was like, let me, you know, let me download it, give it a shot. So about the time that I started to read on there, you started to read on there, and we were reading different things. But you were talking about this one, and I looked it up. Um, one, I do agree, it looks really sick um, in terms of just overall 
animation style. But two, did you know that fucking uh, 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 Carrie Byron from Mythbusters commented on like the sh- the sh- shows like or sorry, but the manga's scientific accuracy? No, I didn't. She was she was like praising the uh, the writing essentially because it's like. I, I guess I mean just you know to harp on what I said it was just accurate and it's like she she even I think compared it to her team her old team so I thought that was pretty cool. That is really interesting. I hadn't heard that before, but like, um, I saw in like some of the notes, uh, like there are some notes actually written in between the the um, the frames. Yeah. Uh, where. It's, it says stuff like um, checked with like a uh, scientific consultant or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's oh. cool. They're at least trying to get something that's like remotely, you know, whatever. And then um, the, I forget what it was that they were making. There was something that they, they made and I was like, that that doesn't seem right. And so I looked it up and I was like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, that's exactly how that's made. What the fuck? That's insane. So that's crazy because I didn't know about the little notes thing like that. I think I want to read it. Like I, I have a lot. It's on my, what is it? My, my favorite list or my, whatever my my yeah, queue of things to read. Right. Yeah. So, um, thanks to you for that one. But I mean, shout out to Austin because he he definitely recommended. I I like the app. I found a lot of use out of it so far, and that's coming from someone where you know it's kind of like you i grew away from anime manga there for a while but now it's like if i can just sit and i can read a chapter or two at a time like i'm, I'm kind of into it especially right there at the ease of access on my phone and it's only like two bucks a month it's not bad at all yeah it, yeah that that's really what i think solidified it for me the fact that it's like it's cheap as hell it's cheap as hell and it's like right here at my fingertips i don't have to go search for things like i also started reading hunter hunter um yeah which i i won't get into on this episode but like trying to track down specific volumes has been kind of a nightmare because uh like one store will have them or and like another one won't or like nobody will have them except for amazon but amazon doesn't have it through prime and it's through like a a third-party reseller and so i'll have to wait like a month before it gets here and like like there's just i don't know it's been kind of i've gotten i've bought chapters one through eight and i had issues finding chapter two four and five yeah so So, it saves you hassle saves you money yep it's pretty great thanks austin good stuff thank you austin um so we'll go ahead and we'll move on to the main topic and uh gaming unfortunately is a business and as such companies have to market their products to us in order for us to buy them but what really makes us buy them uh you know is it a good trailer is it uh, a poster is it a like little sliver of like magazine ad like and even with those things what is it specifically that we see or hear or what have you that makes us go into it so our topic 
of discussion today is dedicated to what makes effective marketing campaigns for games specifically and how they sell us on experiences that we have not yet had before. Um, and <clears throat> I wanted to start the, the topic out by asking you a very specific question. What in your mind is the most effective video game marketing campaign you've ever seen? That is a hard one. I've seen some pretty damn good ones, man. Um, shit. <sighs> Halo 3 had some great stuff going for it. Um, but, like, dude, I can't deny how incredible the Fortnite team has done with just everything they have going on inside of their marketing. Mm, yep. I I don't like the game, dude. You know that very well. I am not a fan of Fortnite. Like, I'll try it. I'll dabble in it every, like, once a year. I'll dabble in it. But it's not for me. That being said, I can't deny literally everything they've done with their marketing, right? Like, they're constantly in cahoots with Disney slash Marvel, to bring like all the Avengers to the game. They're in cahoots with, uh, I don't think I've ever used the word cahoot in my life until this very episode. I'm just gonna be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> They're in cahoots with uh, like Travis Scott, Ariana Grande, um, like all these pop idols or hip hop you know, stars, if you can call Travis Scott that. It's, th they, they just have their hands in everything, man. And it's like, it gets, people to play their game it, I mean there's there's nothing else to say in that regard like I think they are the most effective at marketing their game having people who are phenomenal at the game like Ninja and have him you know I mean Ninja has his own branding for Christ's sake so if he's just playing uh, you know Fortnite nonstop, that's good for your your game too Ninja's not over there trash-talking the game. I mean, sure, he might, like, lose a game and go off on this tangent, but he's actively, like, in a positive light, for the most part that I can tell, promoting the game. Like, that that goes a long way, and I'm sure there's been some kind of money involved with that. Same before, you know, Dr. Disrespect lost his Twitch affiliation. I haven't really watched him after that, but it was always, like, you had these giant Twitch stars advocating for your game you have actual celebrities advocating for your game you have partnerships with the biggest media fucking company in the world probably disney throwing money at your game it's incredible um for sure and that, yeah that, that it put me on the spot like because when i thought of this topic i thought of the opposite of your question of what the most ineffective or like what the most lackluster marketing was or even non-existent. Like that's something I thought about. But the most effective, man, I mean, shit. I, back in the kind of the golden era, right? Like like Halo 3, um, like I remember when it was announced. I think it was when it was announced. It was like back when E3 was very much a thing and everyone looked forward to it. And it was like, it was like the event every year that we were super excited to see. Like I remember... God, I, th I think it was Halo 3. Like, they had this <clears throat> almost orchestra-style band come out, and I think they were playing 
and then all of a sudden it's like electric violins and electric guitars or something like i got chills man it's stuff like that that really drew me in but then you got to look like I remember in stores seeing Master Chief plastered across every Mountain Dew bottle, Slim Jims, Doritos, like it's stuff like that too, because that's marketed towards gamers, you know, mm-hmm. whether we eat it or not, it's marketed towards gamers. So it's stuff like that. It's like I used to see Chief literally everywhere or Ghost, right, from Modern Warfare 2 used to be on all of those same exact things. Um, but that's just like off the top, right? Like that's just the first ones that come to mind, I guess. What what was yours? Uh, the one that I, I thought about when we started talking about like effective marketing campaigns was <clears throat> Final Fantasy XIV. Um, okay. And, and the reason that I say that is because, and, and I guess I should say from a Realm Reborn on. Um, the reason that I bring this up is because uh, it's something similar to what you were mentioning about the Twitch players and things of that nature. Final Fantasy XIV did not have a good start. It just didn't. It was very, very meh, and people did not like it. And there were problems with it. And to the point that they had to take the whole fucking thing down and start from scratch. Well, they they didn't take it down. They you know they worked on it in the background while they were making improvements. But you know, f- for all intents and purposes, they they built the game up uh, from the ground up. You know, um, when they did the Realm Reborn. And the reason that I I bring this up is because one, um, the word of mouth with this game. And what has kind of like come through with the fan base around it in recent years is just absolutely incredible. I mean, they literally had to take Endwalker off store shelves <laughs> because they couldn't keep up with the demand for the game. Like they they didn't have the server space, and like that to me is just like what you're you're so successful that you have to stop selling the game. That's right. fucking crazy. Um, but the, the thing that kind of stuck out to me is, is I, really two things. One, you had a failed game that you had to rework and bring not only the people that you had kind of like, uh, like burned or whatever from, you know, 1.0, you had to bring those guys back, but you also had to bring in an entirely new audience. And the thing about it for me that really I was kind of like in my head, I was like, oh yeah, that's like, that's a, that's a good point was I don't remember hearing about final fantasy 14 and it's 1.0 page ever. I remember hearing about a realm reborn and that's it. I I know that 1.0 exists now, but like I was working at GameStop when 1.0 came out. I don't remember t- like hearing about it at all. I remember hearing about A Realm Reborn and uh, Heavensward and um, what was the other expansion that released while I was working there? Uh, Shadowbringers, Stormblood, one of the two. I don't remember which one it was. But, like, 
they did such an effective marketing campaign in that like i don't even know that 1.0 exists like that's just kind of like a weird thing to me like they they completely i don't want to say buried another version but like they had marketed it one version so successfully that like people didn't know about the other one and like that to me is like kind I don't want to say kind of a big deal, but like it's kind of a big deal. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's really substantial because they essentially fucking uh, did the whole Men in Black thing where they made you forget about its past. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was the first one that that I think jumped out to me when I started thinking about the topic. But there was uh, another one because you just mentioned, you know, the the ineffective one. There was something that kind of jumped out to me. I think. Uh, um, and uh, I, I don't know if it's necessarily ineffective marketing, but it is, um, I think, something that we can kind of get into. And that's that was the original, I think, E3 trailer for Watch Dogs. Um, do you remember that at all? I remember that. I'm trying to – I I remember it. Okay. I remember being there, but I, I fuck it, I'm gonna have to pull it up right now to get the the true details. So the the original Watch Dogs trailer, <clears throat> there are um, a bunch of uh, uh, things that <clears throat> people have kind of like brought up about it. Um, but one thing that I remember very very. Um, clearly was the kind of backlash about what the game looked like versus what was advertised. And basically they showed it running on like a PC uh, engine and how incredible it looked. Um, And the way that they kind of like showed what the world was supposed to be and then it ended up being like a world that like yeah there's a ton of people in it but they all kind of just like got you those people are lifeless and also like the game kind of looks uh you know terrible compared to what you showed and i i just remember that being a a big deal uh when it came out like people were very upset about the marketing for the game yeah, I'm watching the. I think I'm watching the trailer you're talking about now because I've played the first Watch Dogs, and if this is the trailer that I saw, and then I got the game that we were delivered, I would be incredibly upset as well. I didn't play Watch Dogs on its release. I'll say that I played Watch Dogs actually probably a few years post release. I did. I was not on the bandwagon for it. Um, I do remember this trailer though, and it looked phenomenal. It looked like graphics we would expect today. Mm-hmm. almost yep. and yeah no but to be, to have that false promise man and then have the game that we got that's oh dude i i mean might as well talk about this right it's fucking cyberpunk all over again <laughs> for real though i mean uh, that's in itself are so are we talking about ineffective marketing now yeah yeah uh well um i guess we can kind of break it down into like, well, yeah, yeah. Let's let, let's talk about ineffective marketing, or lack thereof, or or, or lack of of effective effective mar- marketing. <sighs> okay. 
This is this is and I'm not I don't I know I just said cyberpunk. I'm going to diverge for a second cuz the one that always burns me the most, dude, is Spellbreak and what Spellbreak could have been. And Proletariat had this really great concept. They had fucking phenomenal idea for a brand new style of battle royale where you go in as a mage, there's no guns, you're literally using sp elemental spells and you have different pieces of armor which is the loot that you try to drop in and find every time you know you have different relics and whatever to power yourself up it was one of the most unique ideas for a battle royale that had come out um, because everything else was it's not necessarily the same but when you think about it PUBG, Warzone, Apex, Fortnite they're all shooters this was the first thing that's like, okay, wow, like this, this takes, a, it took skill, man. Like there were abilities that would send you flying a hundred feet in the air. And there were abilities that would send you dashing, you know, across a field or back. I think there was like teleporting or something like that, man. There was a lot of unique stuff to it and their lack of marketing buried their game within astounding time. They had, I remember how I believe I found out about it was by word of mouth. Um, I don't remember if it was from you guys, if it was from people at work, but I remember going home that day and sure enough, people were actually pl playing it on Twitch. Like that was their ambition, I feel like, was that if they had enough people playing it on Twitch, that would be their effective marketing. There is no commercials for it. You know, I don't remember walking into a GameStop and seeing something for Spellbreak playing on the TV to get me interested. I, do, I don't remember seeing huge media coverage about it. Like this was all word of mouth. And for about a week or two on Twitch, there were people playing it. But after that short stint, numbers started to drop. There wasn't enough sustenance there. We didn't have enough communication from proletariat to convince us that what was coming was going to be great or that we should stick around for it. By that time, battle passes were the norm, and I can I can safely say that people wanted cosmetics. They wanted a battle pass. I was a part of that group. Sabrina was a part of that group. Um, they had a great opportunity at their hands, and from lack of communication, lack of being prepared, lack of caring and listening, and you know, just like I said, communicating with the community, it killed their game in astounding time. And now they've been picked up I believe I don't know who picked up proletariat I think it had something to do with maybe Microsoft or something like they're gonna uh, go it was uh Blizzard was right? Blizzard so yeah that's what it was I think they're working on the next that's, WoW expansion that's exactly what it is yes thank you um so that kills that that affects the final nail in the coffin right like that's that's Spellbury gone but they have such they had such a good opportunity, man, and they squandered it. I'm glad that they're going to help with the uh, Dragonflight expansion. That's wonderful because I think what they did with Spellbreak is cool. And if they're not working on Dragonflight, whatever comes after that, I don't, I don't fucking know. But um, they had a good concept. They had a great idea, but they did not know how to put their game out there. And that when when this topic I saw as the Patreon voted topic. This is the first thing that came to my mind because it was just how ineffective they ran marketing for their game and thought that by simple word of mouth alone, we could, they could excel and have this great game.
yeah yeah uh that that's something that um i think uh how do i want to put this one of the things about marketing kind of like in general is um uh that there is there's well there's two things one there's uh there's obviously the good marketing um uh and then there's bad marketing but then there's also no marketing and spellbreak definitely fell victim to that i i kind of think you kind of can't uh take one without the other though bad bad marketing is no marketing yep um yeah uh it's just disappointing man like i wish more people had gotten the chance to play it I think had they invested their time, money, effort in into the like into the game, into the community, they could have had something special. I'm not saying that it would have hit the levels that Apex did or Fortnite or Warzone, but they would have had something. They would have had they still have a dedicated community like the Reddit uh the subreddit for it is still having daily posts and unfortunately, if you go and look at it, it's kind of somber because it's all people just waiting for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's all people who know the game is just, it's done. But it, it, people still post, man. Like, it, it's people with the same just disappointment that I have. But, I mean, I guess more so. Like, their disappointment is immeasurable because they've stuck with it this whole time and they've gotten nothing from it. It's just, I, I, I feel for them. Like, I'm very disappointed in Proletaria. I act, I uh, um, was, uh, like, a huge advocate for it like a a year or two ago whenever we were talking about it like i was trying to get everyone that i knew to play it and then that's just not enough to market your game you can't rely on word of mouth because i can tell 10 people to play it but that doesn't mean that a single one will like they need external sources they need to see something else besides some some guy that plays games to tell them to go play it you know what i mean yeah 100 percent um <clears throat> one uh thing that I wanted to I guess kind of point out uh cuz I was looking while we were talking I was looking at Spellbreaks kind of like uh posters and and I, I don't know if you'd call it posters but kind of like the images that they put out and um one thing that kind of stands out to me when I when I look at their the marketing that they they you know did put out is that it looks I don't want to say generic but it it looks in the video game sphere like just about every other sort of like magic wielding type uh like marketing I I guess I, I I'm trying to think of a way I'm, to put it. it. I mean, they did. I mean, they essentially, in the promotional stuff that I saw, they literally did make it just look like here are some witches and wizards on the cover. Like, they didn't do a good job at showcasing how much fun the actual combat mechanics of, you know, looting and navigating, traversing the map, stuff like that could actually be. They just, they were like, here's some fucking Hogwarts Battle Royale for you. Like, they didn't really do much more than that. Yeah, yeah. And, like... I, I know it's hard to convey that kind of stuff through through just like uh for lack of a better term printed images 
But like, let's think about like, well, that's kind of a bad example because Fallout had a name attached to it. Uh, I was gonna say if you think about like Fallout Four and like some of like the the imagery behind it, like it's very evocative. It's like a like a gray kind of like wasteland, and then this like singular figure with like bright blue and yellow or um i mean i think cyberpunk actually had a really good marketing campaign the only thing is that the marketing was a fucking lie (laughs) yeah that's another issue um but you know you look at cyberpunk and uh like i mean how many people were fucking lusting over judy you know what i mean before the game even came out or even I think something as simple as like you looking at the at the poster for it, like it's obviously got the the kind of cyberpunky guy or whatever, but it's like this bright yellow and like this really cool font that like I mean I've never seen that kind of font before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that like sometimes the thing that like will at the maybe not necessarily sell you on uh, on the game, like maybe you're not like I'm going to pick this up, but like there's something to be said about the very like um, like eye catching nature. Like if so- if something if you never seen something before, you're going to immediately be like, oh, what is this? You know what I mean? And I feel like something like like I said, like that cyberpunk or like like a lone poster of like fallout four is something that I could pick out versus Spellbreak, which is just like little cartoon wizards casting a spell. Yeah. And that was literally it, man. Like even, I mean, take a look at what Fortnite does with like every new season, that shit will mm-hmm. grab you. Like, I, I hate to keep going back to Fortnite, but when it comes to marketing, I, there's very few, that do it better than them. Like they make me just when I look at something new for them, it's always these brand new skins, like these new characters, right? I know that I can't just go and play that game and have that shit. I know that I have to go in there and I have to buy it or I have to buy the battle pass and I have to get the skins. I know that going into it, but I still, every time I see these new seasons come out, these new splash arts, I'm like, God damn, like I would go play just to play as that cool looking, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, they have so many unique designs, concepts, art. They just know how to do it. But you're right. When you look at Spellbreak, it's just, like, the most generic color scheme, the most generic action poses. Like, it was nothing special. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, like, I don't know. I, I think that that definitely goes a long way in making something stand out. Evocative imagery especially yeah something Um, to captivate the audience yeah uh, we can we can even go so far as to take a look at stray and i think stray isn't like if you look at what they they advertise with like their little that one little image you've seen with like the cat with a sort of backpack and like the logo or whatever it i don't think it's necessarily anything especially entrancing but like knowing like you walk into GameStop, right, you, or or whatever video game retailer. You walk into the store, and then you see a little poster of a cat on it with this cool-looking little font that's almost like graffiti, but it's like it's not 
And it's graffiti like, punk. Yeah, graffiti punk, right? And the cat's got a backpack on, and it's kind of like pink all around it or whatever. And it's like, huh, what, what, what is this? You know what I mean? It's something that, like, like again, it, it's something it's that... I, I hate to keep using this word, but the evocative imagery. It's something yes. where, like, I've never really seen this before. What is this? Tell me about it. And, and then, just to harp? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and then, you know, someone tells me, oh, it's a game where you play as a cat in, like, a cyberpunk dystopia. I'm like, fucking sold. <laughs> sold, right? Like, you don't need to hear more than that. Like, I, I know people joke joked about it's like maybe this is the cyberpunk game that we were promised or something and I, you know you know that that's its own thing but it's like they knew their audience they knew mm-hmm. what yep. they were doing 100 percent. and you're right like when i think of stray i think of that splash art or not splash art but just the the traditional marketing image that they they put out that's the one that captivated me that's the one that sold me like i didn't even have to watch a trailer i was like i will try this game because we're a part of that I'm not even going to say it's like that time of the internet culture where everyone loves cats, right? Like cats have been huge forever, but it's like now you get to tell me that I get to play as this cat and I get to go on a little cyberpunk adventure with the backpack. And like, I can, I didn't, this is before I knew I could meow and clean myself and, you know, sharpen my claws on the carpet and all that stuff. Like the imagination was there because of this one little image that just provoked me to think about all of the possibilities I think Stray did it so right. Yeah, I I'm a hundred percent positive, or I, I don't know what I'm. You're hundred percent positive that we're right. Stray yes. is the best. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, I and I think I think one of the things that uh, you can even look for look to in regards to like. TMNT, the Shredder's Revenge, right, is a, is another one that's released recently. And I think that, like, the trailer for that game immediately got it right because it wasn't trying to do anything that it wasn't... Like, I think that you knew what you were getting when you got it, but at the same time, it was like, this is something we don't see very often anymore. We don't see side-scrolling, beat-em-up, you know, 16-bit, fighters anymore and it played up the whole nostalgia angle in the trailer that we got or well several trailers that we got mm-hmm. and i i think that that could be a, another uh effective way of doing it. it doesn't necessarily have to be like this isn't something i've seen before but it could be something like as simple as i haven't seen this in a very long time that's my thing man it kind of plays on like you look at Tawny, you look at Jeff, you look at Justin, you, me, like we all have nostalgia when it comes to TMNT. And on top of that, we are all within that age range that remembers the games back then. And this is like, this is what we knew. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like, I, re- I just most recently saw the release trailer for Shredder's Revenge. And it's like, I wasn't complete. It's not, dude, I grew up with TMNT. Like I love the live action movies from the eighties, you know, or whatever it was when they released. Um, yeah. Like I, I used, right. Like I used, that was my shit. Like I, I remember mom saying that I think that I, like we got TMNT like two or three or something from, um, one of the video stores one time. And I like, I killed that tape because I just watched it on repeat. <laughs> um, but, but, 
but, but that being said, God damn, dude, that was the longest stutter of my life. <laughs> um, that being said, like the release trailer, I it's not that I wasn't sold on it up until this point because it was it's TMNT. Like I will absolutely give it a shot, especially if it winds up winning a Q3 challenge. Um, I just watched the release trailer because I hadn't, you know, given it that much time and it's like, God damn, dude, it just it hit me like that classic music, the art that just pops, the fluidity of it. They just did it so they did it good, and it, it like took me back, and it it made me feel some type of way, like nostalgic, yes, but it just made me feel like a kid again. Yep, a hundred percent. That's that's the, I mean that that's the big takeaway that I got when I was watching that trailer. I was like, oh, th- this is exactly what I remember playing on the Sega Genesis, you know, yeah. or the NES. And it's like, of course it looks better, but to you and I, like, that's how we remember it. Yep, yep. I, I mean, you could even say the same thing about the uh, the Spyro marketing, right? You know? For sure. When we when we got the trailers for the, what the hell was it called? Reignited Trilogy. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, I don't, I don't, fuck the blocky Spyro from the PS1. I remember playing the PS4 version, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's that's just how I remember things. I think I'm not, I know that we're not really the ones to market to anymore because like there's a whole new generation coming up. Like they, they start to like gaming in general is kind of evolving too, but it's like mm-hmm. things that do pander to us fucking works. <laughs> like like oh, yeah. uh, we will buy that shit. Um because yeah, you're right. Spyro is a, a great fucking crash. The same exact thing with uh, the Crash yep. Insane trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um the TMNT games that are just coming out. Um that's why like the whole two, like the the side scrolling platformers like uh or the Metroidvanias like Ori and stuff. Like it's it's a brand new game but it's delivered on us platter that you and i are very accustomed to and that's why i think you know we dive into stuff like that we love it it's like it's marketed towards us essentially yeah yeah 100 percent um another thing that i i think i wanted to bring up uh is i i i guess maybe not something i wanted to bring up but more of a question that i wanted to ask is how, what do you think is an effective way for games to kind of, uh, like I said earlier, sell you on their experience? Because video games are inherently something that, like, you don't really know until you have it in your hands. Like, with movies or, like, TV shows or e- even music to an extent, you kind of know what you're getting beforehand. And, like, with video games, you can see gameplay, but you don't know what it feels like to play that game. And so, I guess, can you think of how companies can effectively market that in in a way? Yeah, the two things really stand out to me. Um, The first one, I mean, it's pretty simple, and I know it's hard for a lot of companies now to do because the gaming uh we'll just say community is is it's a very demanding group like not everyone is like 
you and I and Justin, Tani, Austin, who are like, who, we can be patient. We can wait. Like, yeah, we want the shit and we want it now, but we can, we can also be patient. So that comes back to maybe don't show me, like, let's think of uh, Elder Scrolls Six. Like, I don't need to see that it's coming six years in advance before you've even started working on the game. Like, I fucking figured that much. I don't need that. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't get my hopes up. Don't promise me something that's not on the coming horizon. And that, that kind of fast forwards over to Watch Dogs. Like the trailer that we got for Watch Dogs, you know, I'm glad you brought that up earlier because I can make this correlation. It's like, don't deliver on, don't deliver us a product that you promise the opposite of or something that's completely on the other end of the spectrum. So it's like, if you want to effectively market something towards me specifically, one of the biggest things that I've always preached about is polish. Like I want to see, I want to see what, like a finished game, right? Like, so when Mm -hmm. I'm showing something on a trailer or some kind of reveal, I don't want to see something that's still years in advance. And I know that sucks because you need to build the hype. You need to get money funneled into your game. I get that. But it's like a lot can change in that time. People can fall off. People can come on. It's like I just the fact that a lot of stuff can change in that amount of time I don't want to see it that far in advance. You know, I, I want to get, you know, let's, let's get into the final countdown. Like let's, let's make it like, Hey, within, I'm going to go like the maximum amount of time I would want to see it is a year. Mm-hmm. Like I have, we have a game coming out in a year. Like we're in the f- very final stages of finishing the game. This is what we have. And then part two of my answer, release a demo. Like, we have gotten so far away from mm-hmm. demos and stuff like that. I think that's something great that the different tiers of, like, PlayStation offer you now. Like, the PlayStation Plus subscri- subscriptions. Like, you can play demos and stuff. That's fine. Um, it's like that on Game Pass, too. Like, you can get early access to these, you know, certain things. But just go back to releasing even in, like, 30 minutes to an hour-long demo minimum but let us get excited for this by getting us like letting us have it hands on like wait until you guys feel like you have a good product show us a trailer for it get excited and then be like hey in a couple of weeks you can play the demo coming to you on blah 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 and let us get it in our hands like that is what would make me excited to play something it's knowing that a company feels so good about what they have, like it's almost finished and they're, they want to deliver a little snippet of it into my hand so I can get thirsty, essentially, like so I can crave and want the game. Like that, that is what I feel like we've gotten away from and that's ideally what I would like to see us go back to. Yeah. Yep, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I, I think that one of my, my hopes... Uh, for the future is something that I think is unfortunately kind of uh, maybe not going to happen is um, I really hope to see video games get I don't want to go back to demo discs because you know demo discs are completely unfeasible now right. but I, I want to go back with with something like, um, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. 
Um, uh, oh my gosh. having availability to play to try like like maybe something like steam's policy like having the ability yeah. to try a game before i purchase it and and like steam's policy of the like i, I think it's what two four hours. hours oh two i hours. think it's I, it might between two and four but you're right like that's something like that can almost be better than a demo give me a full game and give me like a little time window that i can try it yeah yeah and and you know i mean maybe you can give me a demo i mean maybe that's fine too but uh, all i know is that i want i want the ability to know what i'm getting before i've spent not only my money on it but my time like yep. i i think that time is a much more valuable commodity than money is and i don't want to have wasted you know 60 hours in an RPG that I fucking hate before it gets good or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I, I don't want that. I would like to know what I'm getting up front. And then if it's something I like, then maybe I, I'll spend money on it. I feel like that also bolsters faith within your, with your own, um, fuck, I keep saying community, but with maybe within your own fan base, whatever. Like if you choose steam, that's great because you do have that option. Mm-hmm. But look at the fallout from Cyberpunk and what it took for Sony to be like, okay, we'll give you your money back. Like, you shouldn't have to beg and be angered to even have that option. It's my money. I spent it because I thought I was getting a product that I would enjoy. But if I didn't, give me that grace window of two to four hours. If I don't like it, let me return. What's so wrong with that? You know, right. like, uh, that, uh, like Xbox 2. Like, just... Give me the option to at least try something. I think that's a that's a fantastic point. That's, I mean, demos are still great, sure, because leading up to a game, like, I mean, it can absolutely, you know, do wonders for sales. It can, you know, let a- us temper our expectations a little bit. But then, you know, when the full game releases, that's just something else. Like, let's bolster a little bit of trust within the whole gaming, you know, fucking community god damn it keep saying the word but let us bolster that faith and like that that's a step in the right direction um because too too many people developers companies nowadays are getting away with almost swindling us like it feels like half the time um like we we're promised one thing and then i get it in my hands and it's like mm, don't don't like this and i i just spent 60 now 70 dollars on it like this is not what I thought I was getting. Yep, yep. I hundred <clears throat> percent agree with that. Um. Well, uh, I'm trying to think is if there's anything else that uh that I feel like we need to talk about that we haven't covered yet. Um, What's been your favorite marketing campaign? Like, we said that Final Fantasy fourteen did a great. We said that Fortnite does a great. But, like, what's been your favorite? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, thinking of, rec- like, recently, um, I am so astounded by the trailer for... Um, skate story 
that like I, okay. I, that I'm I'm like I'm 100% sold on the game. I don't know if I've seen anything else uh, about that game in 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 particular, but uh, that one trailer that I have seen, I think, is incredible. Um, and really kind of, I think, nails the tone that that they'll be going for and uh, maybe what I can expect. But I don't know. Yeah, I think, I, I'm really not sure. I've, I know it was like, uh, you know, kind of just put you on the spot. The reason I ask is because I still have my favorite from fucking eons ago. And I know... It has been a reoccurring topic on this fucking podcast, but I'm going to have to talk about World of Warcraft for a second. Oh, um, the old commercials, man, with like Mr. T being like, I'm a night elf mohawk. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had Ozzy. They had Chuck fucking Norris and Vern Troyer and William Shatner on these shits. It's like that is some great mo- – like I – I'm not going to lie to you because of those commercials. That is what got me to play the game. Like I had friends that dabbled, I guess, but I never delved into it. It was just never for me, but I kept seeing this shit and I'm like, what the fuck is this dude? I, and I'm like, I was like, what is a night elf Mohawk? You know, I remember <laughs> asking myself that question, but it's like, I remember starting the game and I remember choosing to side foolishly with the Alliance and I was playing the Alliance and I went straight to night elf and I was like, there's no Night Elf Mohawk. I just get to choose a Mohawk. Like, I remember thinking <laughs> that exact thing. Um, it was, it's, fuck, I, those were those were the good old days of just crazy, crazy commercials. Um, but it they fucking worked, dude. I think World of Warcraft is one of those that I didn't really touch on uh, through this episode. But they also had fantastic marketing campaigns throughout its entire longevity. But those early days, like, um, like, towards the wrath days um like burning crusades or wrath of lich king all that stuff those are some good marketing levels back then mm-hmm. yeah yeah i still remember those i think i i think you're 100 percent right it never really got me to play but from like the fact that i can remember them i think is is a strong selling point yep that was the biggest thing and then fuck man like just the good old like, I remember when Halo Three was coming out, like that trailer with trailer with him using the bubble shield, um, like the live action trailer or whatever. Oh man, I just though I I keep saying it, but like those were the days of like great video game marketing. Now we I feel like we just get the same trailer pretty mm-hmm. much everywhere. But they had some really unique cinematics and stuff to make you feel a little more connected to the world or make you ask questions like what is a night elf mohawk. Um, but yeah, that that was just one of those things. I was wondering if you had anything like reminiscent like that. Yeah, no, uh, I nothing that I can really think of. I I mean, I love the old 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 trailers for um shit like uh fuck. I'm trying to uh, you fuck, know what? like all fuck, the old school Game Boy trailers and shit. Those were fucking rad. I loved. I, I don't. This is something that I will never forget, and I can't like. Every time that I ever bring it up, people look at me like I'm fucking like <laughs> like a madman. But do you ever remember the um uh the PlayStation Two commercials that were like advertising the PlayStation like I think it was like ten or something, 
and it was like coming in in twenty like eleven or something. Was it like, like the that. PSX like, or some shit? It, maybe yeah, but it was like it was like a weird like commercial that it was like set in a futuristic city, and it was like very yeah. flashy and very fast paced. <laughs> and then it was like uh, it was like PlayStation again. It was like something like eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there, yeah. and it was like coming in twenty twenty, you know, whatever. And I was like, what the fuck? I don't know. It was uh, that shit always was like. So, I don't know. It's still it's still stuck in my brain. And I feel that man. I just, we, we I, I hate that we've gotten away from shit like that because stuff like that used to be in like um, the magazines that we'd read, like EGM mm-hmm. or uh, fucking you know Game Informer, all that stuff. Like they used to have crazy adverts like that in the magazines too. And I miss just picking up a magazine and seeing shit like that. I mean, I, I, I am my own worst enemy there. Like, I know I still could, but I just fucking browse my phone now. But, yeah, I miss advertisements like that. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. Do you think – can you think of anything else that we need? Not off the top – um, cause okay. we, we hit like best, the worst, what they need to do better, what we'd like to see. And then like, you know, like we just talked about the good old days. I think that, uh, it's like, I don't know I, how much I'm trying to think, I don't, I'm trying to think of a company. How much do you think like companies should invest in the marketing? Or, oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I mean, they should definitely invest uh, a, a pretty good bit like a substantial sum right like because yeah. i feel like when you look at again here i go again but proletariat invested maybe i can't imagine it's any more than fucking twenty thousand dollars into marketing like there is no way and most of that had to go to twitch streamers dude it's like how much would it have taken to just get some commercials out in a game spot or a GameStop or fucking G4. That's even still a thing. Like, you know, get some videos playing on some YouTube videos beforehand. Like I feel like you have to drop a substantial sum to get your game out there. Or else no one's going to fucking know about it, dude. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Uh, yeah. And it's I'm... like great for companies like Microsoft that can actually do right. that. And you know, right. But like Nintendo does I mean we haven't really talked about anything Nintendo related but I feel like they also do a fantastic job at marketing their product especially I know again it's like me talking about World of Warcraft but they always nail the Pokemon oh uh, yeah 100% yeah um, <clears throat> always nail that kind of marketing but they also have the money to go into it so it's like I do feel bad for these smaller devs that can't pump out the money to do it but it's like i feel like you have to know that ahead of time i feel like you have to go into your game knowing that you're gonna have to drop a pretty penny to effectively market your game because if you don't you're not gonna have anything you're you will literally be dead in the water when your game hits yeah yep which is great for like game pass and stuff who comes along and like kind of saves you it's like, hey, we'll take your unknown game and we'll put it out there and we'll advertise a little bit and make it, you know, one of the first games that pop up when it first drops and stuff like that. Like, so, I mean, there, there's, there's ways that you can definitely bolster your game if you don't have a lot of money to go into it. But again, I, I think that takes planning. 
Yeah. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. And I I don't I, I don't know what the the correct kind of like uh you know, like, like economic equation is to get it to where like it maxes out it it's um uh potential with marketing versus mm -hmm. like what you actually have to put to make you know the game right but, uh i i don't know what that that equation is but yeah there definitely <sighs> needs to be something there something there like i don't remember the number damn it but I, oh fuck this is gonna be really rough but i feel like gta 5 when it was releasing dropped like 200 mil on advertising and in its first 24 hours made 800 mil yeah or something yeah. like that something like so that. it's like that's a huge amount of money that they spent on advertising, but they immediately made it back. Yeah, I. I mean, it helps that it's Grand Theft Auto, but yeah, it does, and it helps that you have Take Two backing you. Like I said, when you have these powerhouses behind you, you can you can fucking put some money into marketing. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Multi-level marketing schemes. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why I don't like that, but I don't like it. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Well, uh, I think that probably um, knocks out uh, our topic. So, yeah, if you would like to help us vote for uh, the topic for... Uh, one episode a month. You can go to patreon.com slash culturebop and I think it's at the $2 level. You get to vote on what we will talk about. So go check that out if you are interested. Um, Alright. Let's get into what we've been playing. Uh, I've only got a couple things to talk about really and uh, I don't think you've got anything to talk about which is totally fine by me. Yeah, I'll touch on Dead by Daylight with you. Okay. Um, in that case, uh, I'll do Returnal first. So, Austin was talking about Returnal not too long ago, and it had been a game that I had kind of wanted to play for a while, um, or at the very least check out, and so I started it, and I had a lot of fun with it. It was great. I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is very much like uh, something that... Um, you know, it, it was kind of like a third-person shooter version of Hades in that it was fast... Oh, excuse me. Sorry, it was fast-paced, and it was keeping my my brain kind of going with, like, noticing patterns and, you know, stuff like that. And I got through the first... Uh, the first biome or level or whatever you want to call it got to the second one and i died a couple times uh, <laughs> uh i think it was like twice i got i got to the boss on the, on my second attempt at the uh the second level and I, and i died and then i got back to that first level and i just kept getting my head kicked in over and over and over and over and over again and uh that kind of pissed me off and so i quit uh so Returnal, uh, good game, I guess. I hate it. <laughs> I fucking hate that game. Like, 
the thing that w I, I, I genuinely, like, the game feels incredible to play. And like I was saying, like, with, like, the way that it makes you think about the patterns that you're seeing and, like, the way you kind of have to pay attention to small little details and the way that things are, like, randomized because of the roguelike nature of it. Like, it really is, like, a really fun game to play. And the, the central mystery of, like, the space like the wire landing on the ship and like uh i don't think this is really that much of a spoiler because it's it's pretty evident early on um there's some there's some shit going on with like your childhood house as celine uh and how it kind of randomly pops up in the game <laughs> uh and i'm sure that there's some thematic stuff going on there and like, I want to explore more of that story. I want to explore more of that character in that world. Um, but at the same time, I do not feel like ramming my head into a wall. Like, I played through the first level uh, probably somewhere around like 10 times. Maybe 15. I don't know. But I did that uh, until I until I got to the second level. And I was like, okay, that's not too terrible. I, I think it took me around like 30 or so times to beat the first level of uh, Hades, you know, so whatever. But once I lost that second time in the second level, it was like I came back and I played through that first section probably like 20 or 30 times and couldn't even make it back to the second level. And I was like, I'm not fucking doing this. Like, I, I have other things that I want to play. My time is very, um, uh, not, I don't want to say special to me, but my time is very something that I cherish. So I'm not going to waste it on something that, like, I'm not having fun doing. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. Uh, I'm glad that other people enjoy it, but it is a game that I have had to put down. I'll maybe come back to it, but it's not. It's not high on my priority list at all. You will not be returning to Returnal. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that said, a game that I consistently find myself returning to over and over and over again is Dead by Daylight. Um, you've been playing it recently, so uh, what? I mean, tell me, you've played it even without me, so t tell me how how you're feeling about, you know stuff that they've uh they've done because they've done a lot in the last month so i i'm not a hardcore player like you are so i i can't attest to like the balance changes that i know came out that truly affected a lot of people and how they play like you know nerfing some of the perks and stuff um but yeah dude i i was playing um a lot there uh without you we 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 had set some time aside to maybe you know stream one night and then we weren't able to so I was like you know I'll still play a couple of games I played on the PC that night and I had a lot of fun dude like I I always have fun with Dead by Daylight whenever I go back to it but um like I think it might have been the next day or the next couple of days that's when I bought the Series X. And when I got home and I was looking through Game Pass, I'd actually forgotten that 
Dead by Daylight was on the Game Pass. So I, I, I downloaded it there, and I've been playing on the Series X, just kind of, you know, relaxed in bed, and I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, streaming for the masses. So by masses, I mean two people. <laughs> that, <laughs> uh, you know, so I can just kind of focus on the game, and I was chilling, having a good time. Dude, I... When I... <laughs> I don't have as much fun with hardly any other multiplayer game than I do like with Dead by Daylight. It's such a good time, dude. And because I have, I guess, knowledge from you and then playing out on the PC, like I was able to, like I don't have all the DLC. Of course, like Dead by Daylight just comes as base game when you download it from Game Pass. Um, so I don't have all the DLC. So I was like, you know, I'm going to try a new Survivor this time. So I think I started to play, uh, I think I'm actually playing Meg right now is Meg's the one that she gains, like, increased sprint speed, right? Yes, yes. She, okay. uh, her, one of her perks is sprint bracelet. Uh, I think your, your, your running speed is plus 150% yes. for five seconds or something like so- that. Something like that. So because of that perk in particular, because I was reading through every one before I decided to start one, I was like, that's kind of cool because I run a lot from killers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm always being chased, I feel like, which has held true in the Xbox. Like, I have been the one that always gets sought out first for some reason. Um, even when I choose to spawn across from the map from the killer with one of my little offerings, somehow they're always there on top of me rather rather quickly. Um, so I was like, let's, let's try Meg because I want to give her perks a shot. I'd never done it before. Um, dude, I've still yet to play Sadako or uh, the Dredge. I've not played either of them, and it's Ooh. infuriating because I've been really trying to. Like, I, I'll play a lot of matches in a row, hoping to um, get a chance to go up against them. And you know, like if you've never played a killer before, like it'll it'll give you that little pre-loading screen, you know, info about who you're about to play. And every single time, because it's the Xbox version, I've, of course, never played any of them. So I'll see, like, Ghostface, Oni, you know, Mike Myers, Wraith, blah, blah, blah. I have Every time I'm disappointed because it's never Sadako. Uh, and I, I want to really go through the Dredge's Nightfall experience. Like, I want to see that shit. Um, but I, I've fucking been super unfortunate to not get to play against them. But um, <sighs> something that I, I've noticed in me playing this is that I'm kind of using my time with the Series X uh, playing Dead by Daylight to, I guess, really learn more about the perks. Like, whenever I play on the PC, it's like I jump in, I sit down, I have my characters that are already level 50, and it's like I just kind of got there and I like the perks I like and I never invested myself into the knowledge that I Mm -hmm. should have in the game because I always have my Wikipedia there with me, which is you, (laughs) you know, and I can just ask a question, but... Since playing the Series X, I have really started to learn those perks, and I've learned, um, I, I guess, just more of the maps. And I've, tr- I know it's a joke with me whenever we play because I'll always run to the gate, open it, and then I'm gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just me. Um, that's that's not anymore. Like when I'm playing by myself, like I'll. You know, I'll get the gate to like 99 and then I'm making sure everyone's either there or someone else is about to open their gate. Like I'm learning how to play more altruistically, like learning how to play more competitively. And it's been a lot of fun to get to know that side of the game. And I will admit the thing that I never wanted to happen has kind of started to happen. And that's that it's not as spooky as it used to be, which Mm -hmm. it kind of sucks. I guess it is inevitable when when it comes down to it. 
Like I don't have. Like I'm not going to lie to you. I still get freaked sometimes because fucking I've, I can't hear Ghostface, and then there's just situations where I think I'll be fine, and then poof, they come up from around the corner. There's like jump scare moments or creepy moments where I just see someone creeping up behind me, and I you know I I don't know they're there. There's still moments like that, but. Overall, now I go into it with more of a competitive mindscape, mm-hmm. so it's taken that uh, the edge away, I guess you can say. Yeah. But, I'm, man, I can't tell you how much fun I have with it and just getting to sit back, relax, and kind of use this as an educational endeavor with the game, like to truly learn it a little more. Like, I've not bought any DLC for it. Like, I'm assuming cross-progression will inevitably be on the way. Um like I mean, Apex still hasn't implemented cross progression, but I, I at this point in twenty twenty two, like it's coming. When you have a game on multiple platforms like that, like Fortnite or what have you, like people want their stuff to transcend the boundaries of what console or platform they're playing on. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's inevitable uh, before it comes. But for now, dude, like I don't know if I'll buy any of the DLC, but I'm just gonna kind of like learn default survivors i've kind of been tempted to play killer um i know i'm gonna suck uh, you know free win to the survivors i guess that's fine but just i don't know if it's because like i'm not like hunched over at the pc like taking it super seriously you know like i feel like i can just kind of sit back learn a killer too like i said educational endeavor and so far it's been really great yeah yeah for sure for sure um I you were saying earlier, uh, and it kind of got me thinking uh, about how the game isn't necessarily spooky for you anymore, or like you don't get necessarily as like uh, tripped up on the creepy stuff. Um, I feel that, and also at the same time, uh, I was on my lunch break and I was playing uh, just a match. And uh, I had one of the most intense experiences. <laughs> really? Of uh, yeah, uh, that that I've had playing the game in, in quite some time. And basically, what it boiled down to was there was a there was a Leatherface who was going for the 4K, and he had gotten me hooked twice. He had managed to kill everybody, and then he found the hatch. And closed it before I could before I could find the hatch, Ooh. and so it was like a, basically a race between doors, and <laughs> I kind of just like slowly crouched crouch walked all the way around from where I I was at one door, and I kind of slowly crouch walked all the way to the other door, and they were far enough apart to where like he had to take some some uh steps away like he couldn't just stand directly in the middle and see both doors um and so what ended up happening was uh i i saw him coming towards the door that i was headed towards and he kind of like stayed there for a second and then he turned around and instead of kind of like going about like halfway or whatever i guess he went to go look for me assuming that i was at the other one and so he got further away. I sprinted to the door and then it was, I, I was opening it and I was, my heart was beating so fast because I was like, Oh fuck. I am. He's going to come back any second. And I somehow managed to get out the door 
and 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 get the W. But like, boy, that was that's a fucking that's a trip. Oh, it was scary. I, I, See that <laughs> and stuff like that like gives me hope. Like that I'll never truly like the game's scary. Like at an mm-hmm. underwrite or like an underlying level of scare because you are not playing against a NPC. You're playing against a real person, and that motherfucker can think too most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um. And I mean, so at on that level, like if you start playing against an intelligent person, like shit can get real spooky real quick because they start playing like a true killer. Um, so I think that level will always be there, like of the creepiness or whatever. So it's good that you still have it too. Yeah, gives me hope. What do you think about like the nerfs and shit? Yeah, so so I guess that was my whole reason for wanting to talk about this in the in uh, on the show uh, recently at all. Um, yeah, so I am a survivor main. I don't really play killer all that much. Uh, I, I like, uh, playing killer, but it, it, I think I like playing survivor better. And so I uh, started playing, uh, survivor more and more and more. And then since this update has come, I have felt like everything that they nerfed uh, in terms of perks and like all the little tweaks that they have made have made the game really unnecessarily. Uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um. I guess sweaty. <laughs> I feel like I have not been able to play a game without the killer being just a complete asshole. And all of the things that like I used to be able to use to combat people playing like assholes are no longer there. So it's like... It's like they took away our ability to combat people being pieces of shit. And that really, really fucking bothers me. Um, I know that... um, I know that there are... um, some positives that came out of it like uh like some of the killer perks were nerfed as well and like that's that's awesome i'm i'm glad that you know uh i'm trying to think of one of the big ones that they did there was one that had like a gen regression rate and they they kind of like nerfed that i'm glad that that took place but i don't know they're just the stuff that they took away from the survivor it almost feels like superfluous now like why is it even a thing like one of the things that they did was they they took away well they didn't take away but they um they did a nerfing to the amount of time that the killer is stunned after a a decisive strike uh play happens and uh it was originally i think five seconds then they took it to three and then they took it to one and a half um and their the reasoning was because they wanted to like kind of spice things up and make you know not every character or well not 
character, but like every player want to run the same perks over and over again. They wanted to shake up the meta, you know, whatever. But like the whole purpose of Decisive Strike in my mind was it was a second chance perk where if the killer came uh, after you within 90 seconds, uh, I think it was, uh, at the at the purple tier, if a killer came after you again within the 90 seconds, you had a chance to get away again. But now they've shifted it to where the only way that you can use Decisive Strike is if you haven't uh, gone to heal someone, unhook someone, or work on a generator. And then, so, like, that already kind of makes it useless in a way. Uh, because I feel like, I, I, I know, I think that, like, some of the intent was to, to kind of prevent tunneling, but, like, okay, like, uh, uh, let's say that you get unhooked, and the killer goes after the person who unhooked you, because he's, like, right on you immediately, or whatever. What's stopping the killer from getting the hit on that person, then turning around to come back to you, because you're an easy kill? Like... So, like, maybe you have the protection from, from like, the 10 seconds that you get with the, the borrowed time or whatever, or, like, whatever it is that they call that in the new base kit. Like, okay, but, like, what if I'm, like, I can't get healed within that 10 seconds. I can't, it takes, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it takes 40 seconds for... Uh, a full heal. So if someone's healing me or whatever, and my 10 seconds are gone and the killer comes back to me within like the next like 40 seconds after I'm unhooked or whatever, I'm dead again. And like, you're like, I think the time limit on decisive strike was enough, but now you're telling me that like, I like, what if what if it's a situation where it's like it's just me and you left? All the the other two survivors have um, stopped, and then again he comes after me because I'm the easy down. Like, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And I, I just yeah. kind of feel like it's like it's like the time limit was enough. It doesn't like if you if you take away my ability to to heal or work on a gen or something like that, like, there's no point in having the perk, I don't feel like. But then you add on the fact that, like, it doesn't even stun the killer for that long, like, so they can hit, they can down me, pick me up, I can use my decisive strike, and then I get one second or one and a half seconds to to get a head start on the killer. Like... Dude, that's not enough to do anything with. And if I'm on my last hook, then, like, I'm fucked. I don't know. Um, Dead Hard uh, went through a, a major... Um, that's the one. ...rework, and th- I, I was never a big proponent of Dead Hard, but I have used it, and the thing is, like, it's no longer useful in in getting saved at all out of a situation it sprint burst uh is the much better option i've always kind of felt like sprint burst was the better option but i I, again like i'm 
I know I'm in the minority there. Um, but that the lack of invincibility frames in Dead Hard uh, really is like, and, and I think they slowed down the the speed as well. Uh, maybe they didn't, but like, boy, that perk is fucking useless now. I understand why they did all of this. And the thing is, is the game is still fun to play. I still enjoy my time with it. I'm really enjoying, like, the the new Rift kind of sucks. Like, there aren't really any good cosmetics that are coming out of it. But, like, the stuff that is in the tome related to the Rift, um, it's got some really cool stuff about Jonah and uh, I think the Blight is, is uh, who they're focusing on. And I think that's really cool. I, I'm really enjoying the stuff that they're putting out about these characters. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I think this update is going to definitely need another balancing within the coming months. Or else there could be a... I don't want to say an, an exodus because I don't think that there's much of an alternative to this. But yeah, I think that there could be something that like pries people away. Just what I hearing you talk makes me realize just how much more I have to learn about the game. <laughs> it's like it. I, I don't want that to like dissuade people from trying either because it's it's fun to learn about the game and experiment and do trial and error with the perks that you want to use and stuff like that. It's just, I've not hit that super competitive level yet mm-hmm. to where the nerfs on these perks made any substantial difference to me, but it kind of sucks too. Cause I don't know what they were like in their prime. So I have nothing to compare it to, but it's like, I, I'm wondering if, as I keep playing, as I keep trying to delve into the game, if when the next substantial thing happens in the game, if I will be impacted in some kind of way so I can kind of feel the the stress of it. But damn, dude, there's so much to learn. There is so much to learn. <sighs> yeah, uh, but okay, let's, uh, I guess, let's get our picks of the week and we can get out of here. Um... So my pick of the week, I've got to find the, uh, I've got to find my history real quick in YouTube because I forget the name of the video and I didn't write it down like, like an idiot. Um, all right. So it's a video from FD signifier and it's, uh, actually it's, it's two parts. Um, so I'm going to, uh, I guess talk about the uh, the the first part, but there are there are technically two parts to the video. The first one is called um, dissecting the manosphere, and the second one is called connecting the manosphere. <clears throat> but it uh, is kind of a a long look at kind of like. More or less, the a, a crisis of of masculinity and what we kind of need to do to deal with like things like the incel problem and 
yeah, I, I just, I really like this video because, it, I mean, a lot of this stuff does get tied up into politics and, and very specifically things about race. And this video, I felt like, did a very good job of kind of dissecting why these people, and I, I've never heard the term manosphere before, but, like, it's something that, like, I guess has existed for a while. And uh, I liked that this this guy kind of, you know, he's, he's a black man and he's talking about, like, um, things about, like, white people. And I, I, like, one of the things that I feel like is very uh, off-putting sometimes is when people will sit and just berate you. And I felt like this video was very much a, like, look at why these figures within the manosphere are bad, what they're doing that preys on, on, you know, um, young white men specifically, and what we can do to try to not necessarily pull them away from that sort of thing, but try to like, you know, actually tackle the root of the problem as opposed to just like, like I said before, just like berating them. Um, and he handled the whole video with a lot of empathy and I, I really connected with the two videos. I think that, um, the second one really kind of goes some places that I, I kind of didn't expect, but I like his kind of like taking a look at what these people do and what makes them very bad figures to follow and uh yeah i it's a good two-part series uh it is almost three hours long in total actually it's over three hours long in total so you need time to set aside for it but <laughs> uh two very good vid videos okay um mine's gonna be a little selfish um if i if i may but by the time this episode comes out of the episode of the podcast that you're listening to now, um, there will be a brand new episode of our other culture bop show called the bop cold <laughs> oh, wow. uh, called the bop. And this one is one that we invited uh, a good friend of ours in the community, Mr. Tony Solman. We invited him on as our first international endeavor. Um, we just had a great time talking about uh, hip hop and everything that we love about the genre, favorite artists, where we started, where it's going, um, recommendations, stuff like that. And to coincide with that, like, you know, normally on these picks of the week, I will give everyone some kind of music to listen to, a song, an album, stuff like that. So the reason I said, you know, please go listen to the bop is obviously because I thought it was a great episode. We had a great time and I'd like everyone to give it a shot. But we also put a playlist together um, of some of our favorite songs from the genre throughout the ages. Um, it's it's great. It's thirty eight uh, songs long, and we at the at the at the release of every new episode, um, we we tag the the playlist of the week inside of our um, uh what's it called like a channel within the culture bop discord mm -hmm. server so it's in the in the bop channel um so definitely check it out give us a listen but more importantly just give the playlist a listen because if you 
love hip hop, then this could be a great playlist for you because I guarantee you will find something new out of it. And if you are not really sure about the genre, this is a great place to start because we literally cover everything from the like our inception, but that covers like the early hip hop of uh, Biggie and NWA and Wu Tang all the way to stuff today, like whatever the hell Jeff listens to, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, stuff that Tawny himself likes. And this is someone from the Netherlands, right? So this is not your traditional like me when I listen to when when I name who I like I had Denzel Curry I had Freddie Gibbs I had Kid Cudi that I talked about you know I had all these artists that you might know but Tani it's cool to hear what his take on hip-hop has been what he likes what he listens to today so it's a it's a cool culmination of everything that I just I want everyone to give a shot It, it was a lot of fun to record hell yeah hell yeah um awesome well, uh, let's go ahead and we'll get on out of here. As always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Pop, Hunting Pigs Land, the Culture Pop family of content. Culture Pop is available on Twitter at, nope, god damn it. It's available <laughs> on Instagram at culture underscore bop. Um, and on YouTube at Culture Bop, where the new video should be coming soon. I uh, just posted a, a little short over there. And it was on TikTok and Instagram as well, basically kind of giving an update as to where everything was. Um, I'm working on it, and it should be coming soon. Should be coming soon. Uh, I am available on Twitter at the Man182, on Instagram at Man182, and on Twitch at the underscore Bebopman. Dylan is available on Twitter at OMDizzyTV, on Instagram at OMDizzy, on Twitch at OMDizzy, and on YouTube at OMDizzy, where I... Do not think we have uh, a new video yet. We're still waiting on episode three, right? It's coming. Okay, it's coming. He's, he's, he's working, man. He's busy. He's busy Busy boy. and depressed. Busy and depressed. <laughs> uh, finally, we have Austin. He is on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, on Instagram at Big Papa Plays, on Twitch at Big Papa Plays, and on TikTok at Big Papa Plays. And finally... If you're looking to support the podcast or any of the endeavors that we're undertaking as Culture Pop, then go to patreon.com slash culturepop and toss us a pledge. We have some very, very cool perks uh, over there. And, um, yeah, one of them is obviously the, uh, like I said, the... Um... Oh, my gosh. What did we do? The Patreon-selected topic of the show. Um and uh some other stuff yeah other stuff going on i don't know my brain is fried it's been a long day um but yeah so i wanted to give a special shout out to our patrons mr justin ruis tani sulman jeffrey Scissorto. that's <laughs> right i said it wrong this time <laughs> fucking sue me <laughs> uh I, I can't. He's going to go to HR about this. Uh. It's so <laughs> funny that you should say that because that comes up in this new episode of The Bop about HR. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What am I doing enabling this man? Not only that, but you're going to be appalled at who he has chosen for HR. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Blake Graham, 
Sean O'Keefe Jr., Bren Woodham, Dylan Martin, and Austin Stevens. I'm very proud of the boys for supporting this endeavor. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> oh, but that's it. That is uh, that's the end of our show. So until next time, goodbye.